as we delve into your word, as we start a new study. We're so grateful, Lord God, that you laid this upon our hearts, and we pray that this series would give you glory. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Be with us. Amen. Amen. Man, I'll tell you what. It is when you haven't been in a corporate worship service for a couple of weeks, like actually, you know, I've worshiped, but I haven't been in a worship service, but you just miss that. Amen? You just miss that. And, uh, and I've missed being with my church family. Um, I want to I thank each one of you who uh, stayed connected with us, either via Facebook or Instagram or Twitter uh, during the wedding. We've got a lot of likes and people commenting and things like that. So it's just good to know that we've got a church family who, who cares for us and uh, knows that we're you know, off doing something that uh, we're very excited about doing. And so I want to just thank you for that. And uh, um, thank you. Yeah, because it's just good to know that you're here and praying for us and believing great things for us. Um, but boy, oh boy, do I have a word in my heart for you. Amen. Come on. So, so one of the things that we do around here is we don't just jump into uh, a message series willy-nilly. Are you glad for that? that we actually pray about it and pray through it and ask the Lord to guide us and, and, and send us in a particular direction. And I would say somewhere around uh, probably toward the middle end of last year, not the end, not the middle, but the middle end, you know what I'm saying when I say that? The middle end of last year, we began to really feel like the Lord was calling us to do a deep study in the area of servant leadership. And uh, so we have been, uh, as, a, as a staff, studying servant leadership every week. We have a little mini class in the offices, and, and uh, we've been really delving into not only the word, but uh, some folks who've been studying servant leadership for a lot of years, been reading their materials. And then uh, we had the honor of, of, of our youth pastor, youth leader, Ted, kicking off the Servant Leader Series last week. And did you do a good job, you guys? Did you do a good job? Awesome. But I wanted to, I wanted to take a second and, and go over uh, what we've got here. The Servant Leader, a study in the life of Christ. We're going to camp out here for a while, you guys. And, uh, and in that study, The Servant Leader, uh, we believe that uh, the servant leader is committed to the growth of others. There's an awareness of other people and an awareness of self in the servant leader. Obviously, the servant leader is driven by love. Uh, there's a healing aspect of being around somebody who has become a servant leader. Uh, they are others-oriented. Uh, they have foresight. They listen. Strong character, stewardship, community, empathy, all these different things are things we're going to study uh, in, the, in the coming months. And uh, I wanted to kick it off this morning and just uh, talk a little bit about what that means and, and maybe just take a couple baby steps into this huge study uh, that we're going to call the servant leader. Uh, if you don't know, the ultimate service servant leader is Jesus. And so we're going to study him. What are we doing what are, we, what are we doing here? When I say here, what are we doing in this life? I mean, have you ever asked yourself that? Like, what is this about? Like, what, what is the point? 
Like I feel like I take three steps forward and two steps back. Come on, raise your hand if you if you feel that way sometimes. Like, what is this about? Give me a break, man. And God, if you're up there and you can you can you know cause a little bit of relief, hey, hook a brother up, right? I mean, you 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 feel that way sometimes. It's like we're going around in these circles and. And, and one of the things that we have done as a society, and we've, we've done it really, really well, is we've isolated ourselves from people and from community. Now, listen, I am not one of those pastors who's going to give an indictment on social media and, and, and technology because I believe that the benefits are great. And just like anything else, how many know if you drink gravy, you're going to gain weight? Amen? So we don't drink gravy. So if you spend all of your time on social media, it's going to be a problem. So just like anything else, it's in moderation. But we, we have this society where the goal is to work from home. Right? How many would raise your hand and say, boy, I would love to work from home? Yes, I would love to work from home. And, and coming through this season of being at the mall, our goal is to shop online. Right? So in a work from home, we want to shop from home. Uh, you know, the ultimate is to have a gated community where nobody can get in, right? Just in our little neighborhood, uh, my, my brother Dave said the police were banging on his door at 3 in the morning. I guess his, his, one of his cars, the doors were wide open. Somebody had gotten into his car. So, you know, none of us are immune. And, and I'm sure that all of you are uh, sensing that there's a little more of something occurring in Boulder City. People are getting a little more brazen, a little more bold. Doors are being checked and people are in alleyways and things are disappearing and stuff like that. And so, so the natural, the natural uh, thing to do as a human being is to say, oh, that, that scares me. That I'm, I'm filled with fear. So, so therefore, I'm going to take a step back and isolate a little bit more, Right? And so that's what we do as people. There's, there's, this, there's also this online persona that some of us have. And then there's the persona that we, we present in public. It's, we're almost two different people. And, and how many of you can raise your hand and say, I know somebody who's, they're just not who they say they are on social media, right? Like, that's not who they are. Like, that's a totally different person. And, and then this one's my favorite. How many of you freak out when someone knocks at your door? <laughs> Who is that? Okay, I didn't order pizza. I didn't order Chinese, right? Uh, I'm not expecting anybody. Who in the heck is at my door? <laughs> like to the point where like, like there's a direct line from my front door to the kitchen. And if I'm in the kitchen and someone knocks at the door, I'm just like, who could that be? I have no idea who that, who that could be. There was a comedian not too long ago that did this whole thing about people coming to your door in the 80s and people coming to your door in 2016. And it's just fascinating to me how accurate that is. Because I remember we lived in a really not so good neighborhood, Dad. I figured that out later as I got older. <laughs> we lived in a not so good neighborhood. And the first indicator was the giant metal screen door that we had. There wasn't a screen. It was like a prison cell. <laughs> right? And when someone would knock on that door, it was... But I remember even as a young 
person with that security door. And, and uh, what was that one guy who was running around uh, Southern California, the Night Stalker. You know, we had the Night Stalker. Do we have the Night Stalker today here in Boulder City? No, but we're so freaked out when someone comes to our door. We had the Night Stalker running around our neighborhoods trying to break into our houses and kill us, and we were still excited when people came to our door. That, that screen door, that big metal door, we go, and we would run from the back rooms. Who's here? Right? Someone's come to visit. We were excited about people coming. But now, just like that comedian said, we hit the floor. We don't want him to see through the side window. Like, who's coming? I don't want to know. Is everybody look okay? Are you dressed all right? Are we in pajamas? I don't know. Like, what happened? What happened between, like, I don't know. Some of you would say what happened between 1960, 1950, and, and 2016. I say what happened between 1984 and 2016 where just something shifted in our society. We've just become an introverted, people-less society. And to get out in the middle of people causes anxiety, not just for those who deal with anxiety, but for, for people in general. Like... I'll just confess to you, uh, I get real frustrated when people try to insert themselves in situations. Like, can I share that situation yesterday when we went out to lunch? Where the guy tried to tell you something and you're like, okay, thank you. Yeah, so, so we're at this place and, and it's a kind of build your own kind of place, right? You build your own food and then they cook it for you. Mongolian Grill, you guys know that place? Yeah, so, so we go there and and, and, and this guy before has made comments before, like, I wear my Raider hat, and he's made comments about my Raiders, right? Come on, you know, that's just me. People make fun of you, and he's like, oh, okay, right. But he's just trying to be friendly, and, and so, so Brenda makes her food, and, and she, instead of one thing of sauce, she had two things of sauce because this is just the way she likes it, and the guy says, that's an awful lot of sauce for, for a small bowl. And so she just kind of kept that to herself. And then she came to the table. And she knows that that guy's already said a few things in the last couple of months because we go there often. And I'm just like, okay, I'm trying to be patient with this guy. I'm trying to be patient with this guy. And then she shared that with me. And I'm like, <clears throat> <laughs> who does he think he is? Just immediately, like, cockatiel, right? Hair on the back of my back stands up. I got a lot on my back, so it, it can stand up. <laughs> I'm freaked. I'm like, what is this? Who does this guy think he is? And then I look across a table, and I see Brenda, like, sorry that she shared that with me. Like, she's genuinely like, I shouldn't have said anything because what's happening? And so that kind of brought me back into peace mode. G guys, let me just tell you, guys, we set the tone in our families and when we get angry <clears throat> about things, man, it takes our wives to places or our significant others to places that we don't want them going. So I immediately realized what I was doing in that moment, and I, I kind of pulled back and said, okay. But it spoke to a greater thing of when anybody outside of our sphere of influence begins to poke and, and, and prod or ask questions or do things, you know, we, who are you? What do you think you are? What, what business is that of yours? 
And, and, and I just wonder if it's just not a symptom of kind of where we are as a society. We, we don't like to be corrected. We, we don't like to be, uh, you know, uh, we just don't like to be interfered with. And so the, the issue to me is that God is wanting, the old, for most of us, the only way that God's going to get through to us is with an interruption. Because, you know, we've got our routines, we've got our plans, we've got our processes, we've got all these different things that we do that we do so well, and we do them every day, and we go from place to place, and we've got it down, and someone interrupts us, or a situation interrupts us, and our first response is, ah, why? What is happening? Why me? Right? And God's like, this is the only way I can get a hold of you. I'm sorry you have a flat tire right now, but you won't listen otherwise. So, so the first thing is we isolate ourselves from people and from community. And the second thing we do is we believe the press about ourselves, whether good or bad. It's all about what others think or all about what we think. Here's the real news. You are not who others think you are. There are a lot of people who have an opinion about me. I am not those things. You are not who you think you are. Step aside. Let Jesus come through. You are not who you think you are. You are not who others say you are because some people say things and then they think other things. So you are not what others say you are. And you are not who you say you are unless you are speaking the words that God speaks over you. person who is dealing with absolute grief this morning to the person who is struggling with a family crisis this morning for the person who is contemplating even the most horrific acts this morning you are who God says you are you can seal that and walk out of here a hundred percent confident that you are who God says you you are. So number one, we isolate ourselves. Number two, we believe the press about ourselves. And number three, we expect people to fill in the blank. Come on. We have an expectation. We have an expectation in our home. We have an expectation in our work. We have an expectation out in the community, when we're in the grocery stores. We have an expectation everywhere we go that everybody's gonna know how to act and what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it and how their acting is going to affect you. And there's an expectation that we walk around with for people to act and behave a certain way. 
That's just, that's just the truth. If you're in the grocery store and someone's kids are going, and they're throwing fruit around, your expectation is they need to fix their kids. Right? That's your expectation. We don't know. That may be the only time that wife or that husband gets out of the house that's an abusive environment and they're just blowing off steam. You don't know. You have no idea. Well, I expect people to fill in the blank. And if you're walking around with expectations of people, ask yourself what that's about. What is that about for me? Why do I expect people to do certain things? One of my favorite things that I've been saying a lot lately is something my buddy Ben taught me, and he says this, people usually don't because they don't know how. <laughs> well, why isn't, that guy, why isn't that guy getting over from the left lane? Maybe his dad taught him that's where he's supposed to drive. But boy, he sure makes me mad. <laughs> and he sees my arm. Get over Why is that lady walking so slow in the grocery store? Doesn't she know I'm in a hurry? Why does that checkout guy talk so much and cause the line to go so slow? Maybe he doesn't have an opportunity to connect with people anywhere else. Maybe he doesn't know how to make friends outside of his work. Why is that lady writing a check? Come on. Come on, do you guys. Does she not have a debit card? No, she probably doesn't. Like, come on. We got places to go, people to see. The reality is we, we, we face all these things. You know, we, we deal with all these issues. And, and, you know, I'm sure that there is a, a wonderful group of, of very spiritual people in this room who don't deal with any of those things. And the Lord bless you. I, I, I would love to spend more time with you. So if you would like to say, hey, Kev, I can help you in those areas, book an appointment with my wife. Make sure, make sure that in the email it says, I can help Kevin spiritually. So therefore I'll be able to get right back to you. But I'm, I'm sure that there's people in here that you don't deal with that. But the reality is uh, all of us deal with those things. And we struggle with them and, and it's frustrating. And, and we want to go deeper, but we don't know how. And, you know, maybe we plug into a class or we, we read a devotional or, you know, we, we do, you know, Martine started this beautiful thing where she's illustrating in her Bible and just, you know, any opportunity for God to be able to speak to you. Right? I mean, that, isn't that really why you, you come? You come for the community, but also you come, you say, you know, maybe God will speak to me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll hear a word from him this time that I didn't hear last time, and I'll have an encouraging thing to hold on to, and my week will be better this week. Maybe, maybe that's why you're here. And, and I, I believe that the reason why we're here is that every one of us, in this room, on this earth, are called to be like Christ. We're, we're called to be like Christ. 
called to know him and to become like him. So, so all this other garbage doesn't mean as much as we're called to know him and to become like him. So no, however you figure out you, what you need to do to become more like Christ, that's, that's the thing we're looking for. But the reality is, is we're called to know Christ. We're called to trust Christ. And we're called to become like Christ. So if your motivation in this world in connecting with people is anything other than to love them the way Christ loved them, then your motivation is off. And so if we're called to be like Christ, to know Christ and become like him, then we are all called to become servant leaders. What is a servant leader? Servant leader is described all throughout the New Testament and, and the actions of Jesus, what he did, who, who he was, and how he said himself in numerous occasions, I did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And so, but in 1970, uh, I think Ted mentioned this, uh, a man named Robert Greenleaf coined the term servant leader. He was tired of large corporations and businesses and organizations running like a pyramid where there was a boss at the top and everybody listened to that boss and executed everything that boss said and the boss was separate from everyone. And he, he said, and I'll paraphrase, in the coming years, there's going to be a dynamic that will occur that any organization that wishes to survive or wishes to thrive, that they will have to be run on an inverted pyramid, and that is the leader or the person in charge of the organization will need to lead on an inverted pyramid. In other words, become the least. Does this sound familiar? He who is first shall be last become the least of these. And so these biblical principles, these biblical principles of Jesus being a servant leader and saying all the things that he said, if you want to be first, you have to be last, and, and all the different things that he said became a reality in business to the point now where they're actually teaching these concepts in big corporations right here in Las Vegas and all around the world. Well, it's just crazy when the world figures out but Jesus was on to something here, wasn't he? Oh, that, that Jesus, he's a slick one. He's running around in a robe and sandals, and here he is transforming corporations. No. He's transforming people. He's transforming people. And when people are transformed, God is exalted, and things change, and lives change. And organizations change, and we see fruit. So I want to go over, with the little bit of time we have left, just some initial biblical principles of servant leadership. Because we got a lot for you in the coming months. Number one, if you'd love to take notes, I, this is a great opportunity for you to do it. Number one, servant leaders 
humble themselves and wait for God to exalt them. Being a Raider fan, I understand this concept very well. Can I get an amen? No? No? We wait and we wait. And we wait and then our Christian quarterback comes in. Come on. You guys see see the story, how it correlates? Derek Carr. Yeah. No? Okay, all right. Moving on. It was a story that Jesus told in Luke of a wedding banquet and there was an individual that was invited to this wedding banquet and he decided that he was going to sit at the head table because he thought that his status was one that he deserved to sit at the head table. But in reality, when the host came around and said, hey, listen, this person is supposed to be in your seat. You're supposed to be over there. Ouch. Hopefully that nobody's listening as far as people who were at the wedding, but we just went through this. We had a wedding and the seating chart was a nightmare. Well, who's going to sit there? Well, what about this and this person? And we don't want them to feel, right? We're freaking out over the seating chart. Well, who's going to, they're going to feel bad. Like the and then there were a couple of people where I'm just like, why are they sitting there? I don't get why they're sitting there. But I didn't have, I didn't have the authority to say, excuse me, sir, you shouldn't be sitting here. You should sit back there. Of course, that would have been awful. But I can understand this concept. That person, this person back here is the humble person, and, they, and they're sitting back here, but, but they, they, they belong up here. But when we insert ourselves... When we say, well, I deserve this, or this belongs to me, or I've done this long enough, or I've been a part of this organization for this or that, and this should be mine, and God opposes the proud. He doesn't just frown upon it, he opposes it. Number two, servant leaders Follow Jesus rather than seeking position. You guys remember the story in, in Mark where a couple of the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we've got a, a preposition for you. You guys remember this? And they're like, hey, we want you to decide which one of us is going to sit on your left and which one of you <laughs> is going to sit on your right. Right, like all this humility, like Jesus is going through all this stuff and he's humbling himself and he's serving people and he's, and he's exuding all this humility and these two dudes step up and go, well, which one of us is gonna be your right-hand man? Pick, da, 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 right? Are you kidding me? Even, this is proof, listen, even those who walked in the physical presence of Jesus were f- fell victim to pride. Those who physically walked with the King of kings and Lord of lords still struggled with, I belong on his right. Number three, servant leaders give up personal rights to find greatness in service to others. Numerous times Jesus said, lay, lay down your life. 
follow me. Put down your nets. Come with me. The thought of personal rights today is a hot topic. There's a lot of concern about our rights. And there should be. We live in a country where we have certain rights. But to force our opinion on people who just want to be loved may not be the best use of your time. There might be a better way to do it. I don't know. I'm, I'm still praying and struggling with that one. I want to love people. I, I, want, I, don't, I don't want to get there. Because you know we'll all give an account, right? Everybody knows that for what we've done as far as like we've received Jesus and we're there. But, but the word's clear, we're gonna give an account. And, and, and I, don't, I don't wanna be there and God say, well, that action that you took that day or those words you spoke that day caused that whole group of people to not know me. Okay. I shot her at that day. Servant leaders give up personal rights to find greatness in serving in the service to others. Number four, servant leaders can risk serving others because they trust that God's in control of their lives. There are people that are in this world that can't risk being a servant leader because if they come out as meek or come out as vulnerable, there are people waiting in the wings to take their spot. And so they cannot serve as a servant because they are in control of their destiny. Or at least they think they are. And if they make a mistake or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or act the wrong way, they may lose control. And when they lose control, their whole world falls. Speaking from a recovering control freak. I am Kevin. I am a... Recovering control freak. <laughs> Servant leaders take up Jesus' towel of servanthood to meet the needs of others. There's a story where Jesus is trying to model and show the disciples what this was all about, what his life was all about, what his world, his worldview, his, his attitude, his demeanor, his, his everything was all about. And so here he goes, and they're thinking, okay, we're going to stand up. We're going to go storm the city. We're going to go preach about, you know, the greatness of God and how God's going to rescue us. And so then rather than doing that, he stands up and he takes off his outer garment and he wraps it around his waist. And then he says, I'm going to wash your feet. <laughs> what? I thought we were going to go do some really cool stuff, Jesus. You see, the worst job in the house was the foot washer. There, there were no closed-toed shoes. There were no Nikes. People were barefoot. People wore sandals. And their feet were disgusting. My feet are disgusting, and I wear shoes all the time. And so the worst job in the house was the, was the servant who was charged to wash the feet of the guests. And so what Jesus was doing in that moment was he was saying, I 
am the servant of all. And not just the servant, the worst servant, the lowest servant, the lowest of the low. I'm going to wash your feet. And this is an example to you of what we're to do in our service to God. And what did Peter do? Peter's like, no way, dude. Oh, no, uh uh-uh. There is no way you're going to touch my feet. I got an ingrown toenail. I got some calluses. No, that's not going to happen. And what did Jesus say? If you want anything to do with me, you're going to let me do this. And what did Peter do? (laughs) Well, wash everything then, Jesus. Wash it all. When we're faced with that moment, when we're faced with that moment as people that our time of exalting ourselves, that time of trying to be in control, that time of trying to, to, to handle it all is over. Jesus says, the only way that you can be with me is in full surrender. And in full surrender, full servant mode. To the lowest of the low. Well, I don't like that. I know. It's not comfortable. I know. But it's what we've been called to do. Servant leaders share their responsibility and authority with others to meet a greater need. Jesus didn't just go and do it by himself, right? He could have. Could have just, hey, I'm going to go preach and don't follow me. What are you doing? I'm Jesus. Stay away from me. Did he not have the authority to do that? I am the son of God. I will be alone all the time. Stay away from me. I preach. You listen. I walk away. No. He said, hey, you guys all come with me. And you grab some more people and you come with me. And together we're going to model this and we're going to do it together as a team. And we're going to see some amazing things happen. Number seven, servant leaders multiply their leadership by empowering, empowering others to lead. Jesus empowered. Why are we studying this? We just finished year one of me being here as senior pastor. Christmas Eve was our one-year anniversary. Can you believe it's been that long already? And we've studied some things. We've gone through some, some great things as a church. God is moving. God has brought new people. God has brought some people through emotionally healthy spirituality. People have been set free. People have been commissioned. There's been great things. We've baptized people. Lots of people have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But all of that means nothing if we don't become like Christ. So we as a church, those who call Christian Center Church their home, and those who are knocking on the door and saying, is there a place here for me? Know this. We will with all of our heart all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind seek after God and figure out what it means to be Christ-like. And then we will model that 
Christ's likeness, empowered by his Holy Spirit, and we will see a community transformed. That's what it's all about. I'm so proud. I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing a couple people that I follow on social media. And I'm so proud because I want to say that every single person in this room that I connect with, that I have seen a transformation in, in some folks who have been more political, but now they're beginning to post things about loving people and connecting with people. I even saw a handful of people post the same thing about, hey, if you voted for Trump and your name is Bob and you voted for Clinton and your name is Sally, Bob and Sally remain friends because they're adults, right? I was so proud. So I'm like, yay. It's okay to have an opinion and it's okay to express that opinion, but we are being transformed. Those of us who call Christian Center Church their church home, we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God is going to do great things in our hearts because he has called us to reach a community that is in need. He's called us to reach the people around us who are in need. And the only way to do that is to be Christ-like. We can have programs galore. We can have feeding this and feeding that and doing this and doing that. But until people come face to face with the spirit of God that is within you, that the Bible says is the hope, they have nothing. So why are you saying that, Kev? Because if you're here today and you don't know that Jesus you can know him before you leave. Do you remember, if you've seen the movies or read the accounts in the Bible, there were two thieves, and one thief was mocking Jesus, and the other one was like, don't, don't do that. And then they had a conversation, and the one thief said, remember me. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. I imagine that guy had done quite a bit to get in the precarious situation he was in. <laughs> they didn't just crucify people for nothing. But God, the God of the universe, gave him full forgiveness that moment and said, you're welcome. And that's available to anybody. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. And so what we are saying this morning is when you say yes, or if you've said yes in this place, we are ready to let the spirit begin to move within us so that we can see transformation in our community. And I know that there is a welling up within you to say yes, I want to be a part of that. I want to see God change our community. I want to see God exalted in our community. I want to see people's lives changed in our community. And in our Judea and Samaria, our Vegas, our Henderson, to the ends of the earth, God wants to use this humble church. Our average attendance is somewhere like 130, 140. This humble little church in Boulder City, Nevada, do you believe has the ability to change the world.
but he wants to use all of us, not just some of us, not just me, not just the staff, all of us. Well, it starts with a transformational decision that you'll make. So if you're here this morning, don't worry about who's looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus and you want to say yes to Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand. Say yes to Jesus this morning. Amen. 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 And you're here this morning and you say, I've said yes to Jesus. <clears throat> I know that I'm with him. I know that I'm, I have his spirit in me, but I'm resisting because it's very difficult to be humble. It's very difficult to serve. It's very difficult because especially the climate today, it's, very, it's a very innocuous climate and I just want to be angry. But if that's you this morning and you say, I'm ready to surrender, and do it the way God wants me to do it, would you lift your hand? Amen. Amen, all over the room. Father, you see the hearts that are attached to the hands. Lord, your disciples wanted you to rise up and violently take Rome back like King David. And one day, Lord, you will come back and you will take your rightful place. And it will not be <laughs> something that's, it's gonna be an amazing time. But Lord, that's not our time. Our time is now. Our time is your spirit. And Lord, the instruction that you gave us is instruction of humility instruction as a servant. So Lord, this morning we commit ourselves to be humble servants for you, Lord God, and humble servants for those around us, loving people, preaching the good news, sharing the gospel, sharing truth, building relationships, transforming lives by your spirit. Lord, I thank you for those who've responded this morning and I pray in Jesus' name that you would begin to equip them for the road ahead because it will not be easy. Lord, you never promised an easy path. Matter of fact, you said there will be trouble. But Lord, we have your spirit and that's all we need. Do you believe that's all you need? The spirit of God is all you need. Do you believe that's all you need? If you believe that, would you lift your hands as I bless you out the door? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If God is for you, right, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do, say it if you know it, it shall prosper. God bless you guys. Have the best week ever. So good.